Hey guys, welcome back. Another episode of the Dogbone Podcast here. Um, I apologize. Uh, I owe this to Ben Wonderboy. He has been all over me to get uh, uh, recording done. I have been recording some podcasts um, in, and enjoying that. It's just they haven't been necessarily ours, and uh, with limited time, I'm only I'm only available to do so many of them. But um, going to be recording another podcast here. We did one recently with uh, Nick Larson from the Birdshot Podcast. We're going to be recording another one um, actually later today, and I've got one scheduled tomorrow with a, a guy who has a hound podcast that I'm kind of interested in. Um, looking forward to that conversation as well. This is going to be just kind of one of our boring ones. Um, I don't know that it's going to be boring, but um, it's going to be more traditional, I guess. And when I say that, maybe it's not so traditional because a lot of times we're answering specific training questions. This episode um, isn't going to be real long. I've, I'm, I'm on a little bit of a hard stop here um, to jump on to the next podcast recording. But uh, I wanted to give an update on Makina. Um, the reason being is we haven't talked with, talked about her much um, recently. Uh, and we have been going through kind of the summer stuff. Our series, our video series, we talked about, we have talked about in the past, and we put season one on YouTube. Um, it's pretty lengthy. YouTube isn't necessarily, we have found it to not be the best way for us to put series out there. Although we have done a lot of them and we continue to do them. Um, YouTube just doesn't, the platform just doesn't work really good for us that way. Uh, it just makes it hard to watch a series, continuous. Um, just because of the way it's set up and the way that the, the, way we can like file it or or create it in in sequence so that all that being said we have made some major changes um, the guys put a ton of work into um, setting up structuring putting into um, into to function basically our our training library which is now available on our website um, it's a subscription-based thing it gets you access to all of that footage but it's just I think the advantage is, is the way we have it set up and to deliver. It's just a much easier platform to navigate for the way we create content. Um, so I think user experience is a lot better that way. Um, the effectiveness of the videos is going to be greater that way because I think we're putting, we, we continue to put in so much time in just trying to create these content pieces. Uh, YouTube good, works good for like one-off stuff. It doesn't work good for when we put in years worth of trying to document um, training because it doesn't deliver that way. So that's where the library has come into play, um, which I'm really excited about. We also, it, it, when you subscribe to it, you get discounts on our all of our website, all of our web store. So everything that we sell on our website, um, you automatically get a discount on it. There's no codes or anything. You just you log in when you go onto the website as your user. Um, account and then when you check out it automatically applies the discount also gives you a direct access to me which has been nice because um, I continue to get flooded with a lot of questions and I am doing my best to try to respond to stuff um, it's just really hard to keep up and so this is a way that folks that are members of the library have direct access to me it's a completely different email that Ben has set up um, it's a it's a system that's linked through the library it comes directly to me it basically gives you credit to send these messages into me and then I, I get, I have a totally different email account that I um, watch and as soon as they pop up, I jump on those right away where email to me, if it's a question, I do my best, but I'm, I'm, I saw some guys at 
I was at a Polka Days recently, uh, largest Polka Festival in the Midwest, hosted by Pulaski, my hometown. And I bumped into some guys, and, they, and someone said that he had a friend that he had referred to send me a message, <clears throat> and he did, and I hadn't responded back to him. I said, well, when did he send it? He said, about a month ago. I said, yeah, he's on the list. He's about a month or two out yet. So he kind of laughed about it, and I, I don't mean it to be a joke, but it is just, it's just reality. Like, I'm, I'm, I have a really hard time keeping up with the volume of, of questions, which is good, and it's not so good at the same time. So anyway, that's... That's kind of with Makina, our season two, which has been being filmed since this spring. And it's basically um, the process in which we're taking the chase away from her. So we're steadying her up. And when I say steady, I think there's a variation in understanding what those terms mean. And maybe I'm off with a lot of it. But I mean steady to the point of like wing, and wing the flush, the shot, and fall, I guess, is the technical term by the bird dog world. But um, if, if, it, if I'm finding that each level adds this additional temptation for my dog. And I don't know that it makes sense to go to do one, two, or, you know, a combination of not going all the way to the end with it, because I find that what good does it do if they're steady to the wing, if they break on the shot? What, what's, you know, I guess there's some value in that, but if I'm going to get them steady to the wing, I'm going to get them steady to the shot. If I'm going to get them steady to the shot, I'm going to get them steady to the fall because I don't want them necessarily breaking on the shot either. Or if I shoot and a bird falls, I don't want them breaking. So to me, it's just for, for, for clarity purposes, for ease, I think it's gonna make it easier for me to train to do the whole thing. Um, and for function, I, and I do have intentions to, I'd like to try to run her, um, in some cover dog field trials, which I'll talk diff a different time about, but um, in, in order to do that, it's required. So what I am finding is, and I just did a post on it on social media. So if you follow us on Instagram or Facebook, watch, you'll see this post. So I, I'm going through this process and I'm doing it a little bit different. Um, when I say different, I'm doing it the same as everybody else. I'm just doing it probably in maybe a little different order, maybe with a little bit different sequence um, as far as layering of the different steps. Um, I'm trying, I'm kind of navigating my way through it. And I'm not saying it's the best way by any means. Um, it, it's, it's my way. It's what's working best for me, I think, at this point. And I'm making some adjustments with it. But uh, I'm going this week to see Jerry Coulter. I've been seeing Jerry, I've been going to visit him over the last year um, as often as possible. And I'm going to go see him again um, this, later this week. And go through some of the stuff that I'm, 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 kind of, I kind of go there and I, I show him where I'm at. Um, usually, it doesn't go as well there as it does here. Obviously, new spot, new place. I get a little nervous probably. So, things don't always go as well there. But I've been documenting it here, and I would say we're getting there. <laughs> you know, like at times I think it looks like we're there. We're not, because every time I go a little bit further and what I've run into more recently is the idea of a bird, if it, if it flies up, I've tied it off, tethered it off to a water bottle, which is something I picked up over at Jerry Hovel's place, Pine Ridge Grouse Camp, um, for woodcock banding. So I'm kind of replicating what we did there. That just knocked the wheels right off the cart. So, so we were kind of back to square one. But I, and it's very frustrating when it happens because I feel like I get kicked in the guts pretty hard. And, um, and then I, I go back and I go, okay, well, 
I've felt this way before. Um, and then I start working my way towards it. And it's this feathering of the training where you get knocked back, but then what you end up doing is you start, you start settling in and getting more comfortable and realizing, well, what were the problems that made this happen? And then you change your stuff a little bit and you change your setup and you change how you're going to respond. And you understand more reaction as far as timing goes. You anticipate things are going to happen. And then all of a sudden the dog starts to learn because I learned. And so that's what I'm finding right now. And I just posted something about that. One of the things that I did before that I think I have learned from and will probably do differently going forward is just getting to this point. First off, I waited probably a little longer than I would next time. She's about, she was, well, this spring she was 16, uh, probably 16, 17 months old before I started it. Um, she's going to be two in November. So we've been doing it for a few months. It feels like we've been doing it for a year, but um, I'm going to, one of the things that I'm going to do differently, and I, I'm going to, this is going to be kind of my, my takeaway from this is one of the biggest things that I made a mistake of was when I used to, when she used to go on point, whether it be on a wild bird or once I started um, the few times that I used pigeons and releasers and launchers, I was never going to her. I was always going around her and like trying to, make a circle and get out in front. And I feel like hunting wise, that was my purpose. Um, that's how I think you should do it. But I think what I missed was in training, I never went to her. And I think that made an issue now that I wanted to steady her up because now that I want to steady her up, every time I go to walk around her, I've created a dog that I think Jerry Coulter was right when he said, she's a little competitive with you. She'll wait for you to get there. But as soon as you get there and you move in, the she wants to move in that last little bit to move the bird. And so obviously that's not what I want. I, A, I want her steady once the bird goes and I shoot. Well, before I can get that, I got to get her steady to the point where I clearly go in and flush the bird. And I feel like I thought I was doing that before just because it seemed to work out. She'd wait for me. I'd get to her. We'd kind of go in together. I'd get so close to her or close enough to her and the bird and all of a sudden the trigonometry or the geometry would equate to a bird's going to flush and she knew that and she would move as well and so watching some of the video in this series has really made it clear to me especially some of the hunting stuff that we've done so one of the things that I would do differently and I've started to have I just had to start over and I basically did it later than when most people do it I think most people do it in the beginning I didn't and I started doing it in the middle. And I don't know that that's the worst. Um, I just think that next time I would do a little bit of both. And so instead of like saying, I'll pivot in 180, uh, no, I'll do like a, a 90 and a couple 45s. I'll make a few changes and I'll kind of go back and forth. But what I, would, what I would recommend if you're going through this, and I know there's some people that listen to this that have younger dogs, I think there's, when your dog goes on point, I do think it's valuable to go out in front of them and try to circle around them and not, but I also think in training, I would recommend getting to them as well. That's what I did not do. And it sounds like such a simple thing and there's probably bird dog people that are listening to this going, well, of course. Yeah, well, of course, bullshit. No one ever fucking said that when I was watching stuff. No one ever said that when I was studying stuff. No one ever wrote it that way. No one ever showed it that way in a video. So... Not exactly, but as I go back and I look at it indirectly, probably they did, but I missed it. So what I'm trying to what I'm trying to do with 
our series with Makina is, it's not a watch this and train your dog this way. I think you should read all those books. I think you should watch all those other videos. I think you should talk to all these other trainers. I think you should do exactly what I did that way. But hopefully when you put that in combination with what we're doing in the Makina series, I'm hoping that that kind of bridges some gaps um, that we're probably missing for me. So that's, that's it. I got, I'm, I got two minutes and I'm going to be jumping onto a call here with Nick Larson for Birdshot. We're going to talk about Makina. This time we're going to talk about the setter training stuff. So I think that this is, um, the, our podcast will probably go before Nick's anyway, but um, this is a good lead in probably to it. But that's just a really small thing that I've been thinking about, wanted to share with you guys. And I have a whole list of those <clears throat> that Ben's been on me um, to record stuff. So I have a whole list of stuff. I keep a list on my phone and we'll, we'll um, I'll hopefully get to the point where I can document all these little short conversations quick with you um, and be able to share it. So hope you guys are, are doing well. Um, please continue to, to do me a favor. If you would leave our podcast a, um, a review and a rating, if you have the ability to, wherever you're listening to it, I appreciate you guys supporting this more than you know. Um, and, and the feedback that I do get from you is what really truly pushes me to keep doing it. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. Good luck, you guys, in all your training. You know, summer, we're in the middle of summer and it feels like it, but man, we're a blink away from the fall. So keep pushing, guys. I'm doing the same thing. Talk to you soon.